so that kind of was the always been the seed right i saw that that documentary that was, also helped get me very passionate about wanting to be a brewer because at that point i wasn't when i saw the documentary and i was like well it looks like there's a lot of a lot of fun happening but also like you're 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 making a product that people want and that's what you want right you you want good conversation catching up with old friends and then on top of that, you have great food and then great beer to go with it. It was it was a really one of one of many highlights on that trip. Welcome to the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure Podcast with Living a Stout Life. This is where we sit down with creative thinkers, on the road adventurers, and craft beer lovers. Your hosts, Ken and April, live, work, and travel in a 24-foot RV in search of inspiring stories around a great beer. Welcome to the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure Podcast. This episode is unofficially sponsored by Camp Carpe Diem. And I have a question for you guys before we get into Camp Carpe Diem real quick. What? Have you ever gone to a camp when you're a kid and you're excited but you're also nervous as hell because you're away from your parents for the first night and you have to meet new people and plus you're kind of like in middle school and middle school is kind of crappy because... You're like wanting to be like everybody else, but you want to find yourself and it's just kind of crappy. And then this whole camp turns into like, oh my God, I don't want to go. That is, is there a real question in there? Somewhere? That is not Camp Carpe Diem. Camp Carpe Diem is like all the cool factors of camp when you're a kid, hanging out and meeting new friends without the nervous anxiety. It's all the cool factors of camp, like mountain biking and hiking and learning new skills like photography. But this is adulting. So there's beer and nobody's going to take the beer away from you. And if you want to sneak into somebody else's camper or tent or cabin, nobody's going to tell you to stop because this is adult. This is the coolest adult camp ever. So sign up. It takes place in Kalispell, um, Montana, Flathead Valley region. September 28th through October 1st. It's going to be a blast. Sign up now. Just do it. You, Whether you're a traveler or a wannabe traveler or a local or just want to come hang out and meet some cool people, C-A-M-P-C-A-R-P-E-D-I-E-M.com. Kenny, what do you have to say? Just want to say that before you sneak into somebody else's cabin or tent, you may want to be sure that's cool with them. Make sure it's consensual. Yeah, we're okay. not cool with otherwise. Yeah, anyhow. So, yes. So, so, now that we've gotten the official business taken care of, we should move on to um, our interview for that this official? chance. Yeah, that's official. Okay. Okay. So We're officially official. Let's move on from Kalispell, Montana to Lebanon, Tennessee. Ooh, Lebanon. Not Lebanon. Lebanon. Lebanon, Tennessee, which is actually Ooh. just east of Nashville. I think it's around 30 miles just east of Nashville in this cool little small town. And we're going to be talking to Sean. He's the head brewer at Cedar City Brewing Company. And it's a cool conversation. But maybe we should first actually mention that it's American Craft Beer Week this week. If you're listening to this when this first comes out, it's American Craft Beer Week. So get your asses out there and drink some craft beer. Um, and this is also an unofficial kind of sort of sponsorship, not really kind of thing, but it's also we connected with Sean because um, of Malt Europe, Malting Company. So they're highlighting a couple of the breweries for American Craft Beer Week. Plus, it's also exciting because we just came from Nashville for the Craft Brewers Conference. So it's kind of cool, like highlighting Sean at Cedar City in Lebanon, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville because it's, you know, was CBC. Officially the craft 
Brewers Conference, mm. put on by the Brewers Association, and it's just um, it's an educational conference for the brewers and brewery owners and people within the industry to come out and learn all kinds of good shit about how to run their breweries better and shit like that. But, um, and also a lot of cool, um, there's an expo there, which highlights a lot of the new equipment and things like that for breweries and, and different ingredients and what kind of changes are going on there, like new hops that are coming out, different things they're doing with yeast, which I know probably a lot of people are like, what are you talking about? But there are cool things going on with yeast. Well, which actually you, if you remember, you and Sean get a little deep into the woods about yeast on the podcast here. Mm. So that's kind of cool. So you can look forward to that. There Don't is get scared by that, though. It's fun. It's conversational. It's good. Yeah, I it's promise. Good. <laughs> yeast is integral to beer. Anyhow, there was a ton of events going on at CBC and including the World Beer Cup, so that's cool. Um, we'll link to our little picture show of all the pictures and stuff from World Beer Cup and from CBC. There's an article on our website about that, so we'll link to that on here. And then it was just really cool for me especially because this is the first time that I have been to CBC. So it was just kind of, it was a lot, honestly, but it was also just really, really great. I got We got to pour at Malt Europe's booth, like pouring beer is a lot of fun, um, and then just like we poured a beer that Sean brewed. Yeah, Cedar City, Sean and Cedar City brewed with. Um, if you listen to our last podcast with Metalsome Brewing Company, um, they brewed a beer together that we we were actually able to pour at CBC for everybody. Like lots of brewers came by and stuff. Yeah, but yeah, for me, I know you. It was new for you because this was your first CBC. It was my second one. But it was also cool because this was my first World Beer Cup and you too. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like, I'm not a big fan of like award shows and stuff all that much. It's not like my thing that much. But being at the World Beer Cup and ha- having met a lot of the people who entered beers in the competition and several of them who won medals this year was kind of cool because because we, we don't do a like a hard news show so a lot of the people that we meet in the craft beer industry you know you kind of form bonds and connections with them just outside of doing like it's not just a business transaction for us it's not like we just go in and say hey we'd like to talk about your brewery on our podcast and then that's it and we're gone it's like a lot of those breweries we go back to time and time again, and we've formed friendships with these people. So you're trying to say it was really cool when these breweries actually won the medals. Yes. Because you can celebrate with them. So in yeah, a way, like fun. we're media, but we're also like, in the beer world, you guys all know it. We talk about it all the damn time. It's a community, and whether you're media or in the industry or a marketing person in the industry or a brewer or a brewery owner or whatever, there's just this huge connection between everybody so it was really cool to be there and celebrate with everybody and so we've made friends with a lot of these people and it's kind of fun to see them succeed in an area where it's it's a big deal for them you know it's it's kind of their grammy yeah you know there you go the olympics yeah the olympics of beer Uh and it kind of is and they get to take home a cool medal and honor and share it with their community and and just to be proud of the beer they make and that somebody else is recognizing that. 
but on that same note, like all the beer and all the talk of beer and all the community and all the gatherings and all the education and all the people and everything, like it was truly amazing and it was great. And I will totally be going again because it was just, it was really great. However, it's also, like I said, it was a lot. There was a lot of beer. And I can tell you when you're consistently like hanging out and having fun and going to all the breweries and drinking all the beer, it's also good to just, uh, which is what we're doing right now in Chattanooga, hanging out with friends, breathing and relaxing. And which is exactly what you are going to be doing right now when you stop and listen to Sean at Cedar City Brewing. Here he is. Enjoy. Cheers. Cheers. Ooh. Ooh. Out of that one. How about that? Get a nice ring on that one. Welcome to the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure Podcast. Um, where are we at? We are actually in. Well, we're in Denver. We're in Denver, but where are we going? <laughs> Lebanon. 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 Le- Lebanon. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> Every time you got a, t- a town or a city in the U.S. that's spelled the same as somewhere else, there's always a little t- different spin on the pronunciation, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, you know, it's uh, East Palestine has been in the news because of the train derailment. But uh, you look at it, you think it's pronounced Palestine. <laughs> right. Also in the news for other reasons, <laughs> which we won't get into since we're not a political <laughs> podcast. <laughs> lebanon tennessee with cedar city brewing company and we have sean on with us hello hello pleasure to be here and thanks for having me oh you're welcome um you're the head brewer at cedar city is that correct that is correct does that mean you get to brew or just tell people what to brew i i brew i am (laughs) pretty much a one-man show i do get a little bit of help uh from the boss but uh yeah at the end of the day uh you know it's me graining in and um i do get some help mashing out i do get help cleaning kegs uh, and that is very much appreciated uh but at the end of the day you know uh from the moment i start graining in to the minute the yeast is pitched uh it's all on me well that's that rock star lifestyle isn't it of a head brewer (laughs) (laughs) yes it is i I, I keep thinking, when is the rock part going to actually happen? You know, the, the beer part is great, but, you know, you need a little <laughs> beer to go with the show. <laughs> and yeah. I need the show. <laughs> but, you know, without you, we wouldn't have any kind of a show. So thank you for brewing the beer. <laughs> uh, here to help. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell us more about Cedar City and maybe more about your role and how you came to Cedar City and, you know, all the good stuff? Yeah, so uh, Cedar City Brewing is in Lebanon, Tennessee, which is about 30 miles uh, due east of Nashville, right off of Interstate 40, right on the historic square in Lebanon. And uh, so I got involved. uh, The ownership had had found this, uh, had previously been an antique store, and uh, they wanted it at auction when it had gone up for auction. And they're like, well, what are we going to do with this? They kind of didn't expect to win the auction. Uh, and so they then set about, they'd realized, well, this would be a really good space for a brewery. Uh, they already had a restaurant on the town square, so they already had some familiarity of uh, what needed to be done and, and who to talk to and whatnot. And uh, so they started, they set about uh, renovating the building and they've done a really nice job. It's over a hundred years old and there are definitely places where you look and you know, it's a hundred years old, but uh, 
Um, to their credit, uh, they took out all of the original uh, floor joists on the first floor um, and, re and then poured concrete in its place, but they saved all those floor joists and uh, so all of the tables and drink rails and whatnot that you see there in that space, uh, including the front doors were built with that wood that they they saved it's impressive really thick really big oak planks so uh pretty cool space once you get in there and and see the history uh but yeah so they had already um they'd actually attended a brewing school uh in uh, maryville tennessee uh just outside of knoxville to kind of get an idea of what needed <clears throat> excuse me what needed to be done and from there uh they then set about purchasing equipment uh, and they made some really wise choices on their equipment in terms of uh, both fermenters and finding good deals on those uh, purchase new uh, as as well as a tin barrel brew house uh, from Alpha Brewing Systems. So uh, I get to brew on a new brew house and it's, you know, kind of kind of a Cadillac. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, but they needed someone that had recipes, knew what they were doing with the equipment. Uh, and uh, I had the experience that they were looking for. And um started you know we brewed our first batch in august and then the doors were open uh right about the middle of september and uh you know the the beer is flowing and and uh the, the customers are happy nice nice that's pretty good i mean that's very astute of them too because i've seen it the opposite where where people go in and believe it or not we actually know a brewery that we sat down one time when we ended up talking to the owner and he started this brewery and I believe he got his business. He, he like built the biz, the brewery out like in October, I think he finished getting his business license in December. And then like he brewed his first batch of beer ever. He like, he wasn't oh, wow. even brewing on a home brew system before this home or brew. anything. And then just started brewing as soon as he got his license and credit to him. It, 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 it wasn't, it wasn't outstanding beer, but it wasn't terrible beer either. It was terrible beer. That's that's uh, good because yeah, I've definitely <laughs> have been in those breweries where it's like we're gonna brew beer and it's gonna be yeah. great, and it's you know yeah. Uh, so I home brewed for a number of years, um, and uh, you know basically trying to develop recipes and whatnot. Um, I as as a, someone who came from a music background, I realized. Um, the only way I'm going to get better at brewing is if I treat this like a musical instrument. The more I play it, the more I practice it, the better I'm going to get. And so it became a thing where every Wednesday night, I told my friends, I don't care what you're doing. I'm going to be at my house. I'm going to be brewing beer. So you're welcome to come by if you want. But, you know, don't plan on seeing me out on a Wednesday night. Uh, and then from there, I was able to do an apprenticeship at a uh, brewery just south of Nashville. I got, as I like to say, I got paid in really crappy pizza and really good beer. Um, <laughs> the, the beer program was great. The pizza was left a lot to be desired. And, uh, but that got me the experience on what does a clean in place look like? Uh, you know, what does the, the SOPs look like? How to do that kind of work. And so uh, with the previous brewery that I, before Cedar City that I was involved with, when I got the doors open there, you know, we hit the ground running, uh, having some idea what, what to do and um brewing some good beer out of the gate so then by the time you hit cedar city you're like at full speed and ready to go right out of the gate yeah 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 we, we you know we were you know it's it's always that that first brew day is always kind of scary and whatnot and uh the 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 guy from alpha that was helping us commission the system uh he goes 
oh, please tell me you have kettle defomer. And I was like, yes, we have kettle defomer. You don't have to worry about this foaming up on us and, and you know, possibly overflowing the kettle or, you know, ha you know, having that kind of situation. So, uh, yeah, I was definitely able to get them going really quick. I knew, you know, what chemical company I wanted to work with, what malt suppliers I wanted to work with. Uh, and, and then we're lucky in Nashville, we have a company called Bootleg Biology. So, uh, for some of the pitches I, I'm using in some of these brews, I'm getting that locally sourced. Um, so yeah, uh, it's 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 been a lot of fun uh, helping getting these guys pointed in the right direction. So when you talk about that right there, the the local company you're working with, you're talking about the yeast that you're pitching, correct? Correct. Yeah. And so what kind um, of like a lot of people think of beer and and you think of you know just an ale yeast or a lager yeast or or maybe some people are familiar with some strains of it, but if you're if you're going local there, you're not just talking about something like a like a London strain of yeast. You're talking something very right. Specific, right? What kind of yeast are you? Well, talking so so uh, they actually offer quite a, a wide variety of of ale and lager yeast. They actually have their own lager yeast strain called uh, Southern Lager. Um, and, uh, and they say it's very close to the Weinstefaner, uh, strain of yeast. Uh, they did some DNA testing on it to, to figure out is, is this a true lager yeast? And if so, like, what does it compare to? Uh, but the other thing that's been exciting is that they have a lot of strains of the Kavik or Kavik yeast. Um, and so, uh, when I came up with a couple of recipes, I was like, you know, I think I want to use this yeast on these recipes and reached out to, to Jeff and the other folks at bootleg and, there was like, yes, uh, we have this strain is going to work best for your application. Uh, and so that was pretty exciting to just be able to, you know, you have that personal relationship to begin with. Uh, I've known Jeff for a number of years, but then to just that they're just down the road. So when the yeast is ready, you just go pick it up, right? You're not having it shipped across the country. That's pretty cool. You probably get much healthier strains of yeast that way. And uh... definitely for the liquid yeast. Um, I do use a lot of dry yeast at, at Cedar City. Um USO five, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's sure. the workhorse, uh, the Sierra Nevada strain, or as one of, uh, that's actually a Nashville brewery that loves to refer to it by, as the Ballantine strain, which is technically correct. Sierra Nevada got it from, uh, through Ballantine Brewing, the Ballantine Brewery. And, uh, but yeah, uh, USO five and then, uh, for minutes, uh, the 3470 for my loggers. It's a very forgiving yeast. It, um, very easy to work with. And, uh, but yeah, you know, I also have, I have bootleg biology in my backyard, so I have some nice options available. <laughs> That's nice. And I, yeah. I, yeah, I was going to say I don't want to get I don't want to get too overly technically geeky on the brew side because I enjoy it very much. But I know a lot of our fans are more craft beer drinkers and not as many brewers. But yeah, but I love hearing about the Kvike yeast because it's such a such a game changer in the U.S. for brewing. Because absolutely these ales and lagers that. For people that don't brew, those beers are fermented at relatively cooler temperatures where a lager yeast is very cold. And then an ale yeast is more like uh, in the 60, temperature. 60 to 70 degrees yeah. room temperature kind of temperatures. But then Kvike yeast came along and turned the brewing world on its head. Right. Can you give us just a, a quick overview of what that would what Kvike has done? Well, I. Yeah. So, yeah, a couple, I've got, it's, it's been fascinating for me to watch. Um yeah, so the main thing is, is that it ferments in that 80 to 90 degree range, which if you're fermenting a Saison, it's going to throw off these notes that you desire in a Saison. 
But what's amazing is this yeast ferments clean. It produces amazingly clean uh, beer, you know, in terms of there's no off flavors. There's no no signs that you fermented at 80, 90 degrees. Um, I was at a master brewers meeting in St. Louis uh, last fall. And I found myself sitting across the table from a retiree from Anheuser-Busch. And I brought the subject of Kavika up. And he kind of looked at me funny. And, you know, especially after I told him it ferments at 80, 90 degrees. And he's like, well, aren't you worried about all the spoilers that, you know, potential there? And I was like, no, because the same spoilers are there at the ale yeast temperatures. If you pitch enough yeast, those spoilers are not going to have a chance to get a foothold. Of course, the other part of that is, is you're doing the cleaning and sanitation properly, right? To begin with. So you don't have to worry about those spoilers. But yeah, um, you know, you're looking at fermentation times in two to three days. Uh, again, fermenting to 80 to 90 degrees and, and producing beer that uh, in some cases, breweries are like, we've quit using USO5. Uh, they're doing lagering, you know, styles that would normally be lagers. They're doing that with this yeast. Um, but yeah, and it took, all it took was this guy that said, you know what, there's been this interesting brewing culture in the Scandinavian region of Europe for a long time. And there's been this, this tradition that's been there. And when he got there, what he found out is that this, this yeast is definitely in the Saccharomyces cerevisiae family, but through multiple familial generations, um, you've got this yeast that brews well in high temperatures, produces good beer, and then is very robust in terms of at the end. So the story is, is that at, at the end of the brew, they dip this specially made ring out of wood into the beer and that uh, the yeast attaches to that. It dries out. And then come the next time they brew, which is would be in the spring, um, they dip it back in and it kicks off the fermentation process. So uh, it's a it's an amazing story. It is definitely a game changer in the brewing industry uh, for a number of reasons. Um, you know, for those breweries looking for a quicker turnaround, it's great. But also for those breweries that just want to do something different, um, it, it opens up a lot of a lot of different avenues and opportunities. Yeah, for me as a home brewer, it's it's beer yeast on steroids. Yes, <laughs> yes, that is a great description. That is a great description. It makes good beer really fast, and and yes. and, and as a home brewer, you don't who doesn't have a lot of temperature control. Boom, problem solved. <laughs> so so are you doing are you doing the home brewing in your RV then? Yeah, we do home brew yes. in our RV quite. Yeah, not not that's a, a ton, that's but, awesome. We brew a lot of like three gallon batches, sometimes a five gallon batch. And, you know, it's usually it's when we're going to be somewhere for at least a couple of weeks so that we have time to let it sit and ferment and not right, right. not bounce it all around while we're <laughs> fermenting. You know, right, right. At least uh, did you see uh, by by chance uh, Zimmergy just had an article from Julia Hers talking about brewing in her RV? Oh, yeah. I haven't read the article yet. I just picked up that that magazine. But um we actually have been fortunate enough to get to know Julia a little bit. So she's talked to us about that a couple of times and it's really cool to hear her talking about, she, I, I can't remember where she was, but I believe she was at a, at a, like a brewer's conference or something somewhere, not, not CBC, but something smaller. And she had her, her RV all set up out in the parking lot and like brought couches and stuff for him to hang out on. And she's like brewing out there and showing them how to do it on just a little homebrew system. So homebrew system on a stove and an RV. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. We've done it on our camp stove (laughs) outside. Yeah. Yeah. 
know. But oh, that is cool. Make things work. You can make things work. You rig, you rig shit up. You rig shit up and make it work. <laughs> so for people that don't know, you also, if I if I have this correct, you also teach brewing, correct? Yeah. So uh I uh was asked to help teach a course on uh, beer uh, in the fermentation science program at MTSU, Middle Tennessee State University, which is located uh, about 30 miles southeast of, of Nashville. Um, it was funny, I actually attended school there for to do study recording industry. And by the time I finished with the degree in 98, I went, I don't think I want to work in the music industry. Um, <laughs> I realized I didn't have the ears that my classmates had. Uh, little did I know how much uh, home-based recording was going to take off because computer power got to the point uh, that, you know, musicians didn't need these studios any so much as they, you know, they had the capability to make their demos at home or even make good quality recordings. Uh, but then, you know, Napster hit, you know, all the file sharing stuff that happened. So uh, it's been really interesting to watch how that's changed in Nashville, especially Music Row. Um, but yeah, I decided um, when I finished up with that degree, I was like, I'm just going to go work in IT. And I got bored with IT and decided I needed to figure out what was next. And and uh, I had some friends that were home brewing, and that's kind of what kicked that off. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, you know, it's fun to stand up in front of a class. We you know the, generally we 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 taste four different beers. You know, we'll have a theme grouped around them. Uh, last night we did uh, classic German styles, and uh, um, it's it, it's been fun turning some of the students onto beer. Some of them come into the class. I always send out a questionnaire at the start of the class. Do you like beer? Yes or no. Uh, if you like beer, what's your go-to beer? What's the best beer you've ever had? What's the worst beer you've ever had? Just kind of get a feel for where the students are at. And a number of students have come into the course saying they didn't like beer and walked out of the course saying, oh, I do like beer. Um, you know, especially when you start getting into those Belgian styles, uh, some of those dark styles, you know, once, once you, you know, uh, disabuse them of the, of the, the idea that beer is fizzy light lager, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, you know, and, and just what variety beer brings to the table, um, you know, they, by the end of the class, they've usually got a pretty good appreciation for it. Um, so yeah, this is my third time teaching the class and, and I'm, I'm honored that uh, they've invited me back. And, um, you know, I, I really get a kick out of what the students bring into the class as well. Um, cause one of the things I have them do is I have them, uh, visit a brewery, uh, tap room and write about the experience and the other thing I do is I have them pick out a beer and present it to the class and uh, uh, I'm always interested in what the students end up choosing and then sometimes they they bring in some beers that I have not had in a while so it's nice to revisit some 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 beers and brands and styles that I haven't had in, a, in, in a bit that's a sneaky way of getting some free good free beer man <laughs> yeah well they get they I uh I end up paying for the beer out of pocket. I'm not complaining about that. Um, uh, so they get to, they get to drink a lot of good beer. They're I'm not saying they're making their tuition back up in beer, but I'm doing what I can to help them in that regard. Nice. <laughs> so I do know there's one other thing on your resume, sort of, um, that we have to touch on. Seeing as that April and I live in our RV. I noticed that at your previous brewery that you worked at, it didn't say that you were, well, it said that you were the head brewer, but you were also the Winnebago driver. Driver of the Winnebago. I got to know more about this. How uh, did you become the official Winnebago driver? <laughs> um, I just, I decided that's what I was going to call myself, but uh, <laughs> music is my first love and uh and beer beer is a very close second 
Um, but Blues Brothers, the Blues Brothers is one of my all-time favorite movies, if not my all-time favorite movie. And if you remember when uh when the good old boys uh from direct from Nashville pull up to Bob's Country Bunker, uh uh was it oh shoot, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. Uh the actor steps out and he's like, you know, I'm so and so driver of the Winnebago. And uh, that's just always stuck with me. And that's that's how my uh that okay. that's that's what I was thinking of when I when I put that as my other title. <laughs> now, is there an actual Winnebago or any type of RV involved somewhere? No, no. Oh. And I've had questions about oh. that. It's like, well, how can you be the driver of the Winnebago if there's no Winnebago? And I'm just like, well, you, gotta you know, know. <laughs> it's just the just the way he says it. You know, it's like with conviction. I'm driver of the Winnebago. <laughs> All right. All right. Darn, I kind of hope there was an RV involved there somewhere. But <laughs> yeah, no, maybe maybe one day. Maybe one day. Yeah. <laughs> when when we can uh loosen up the liquor laws across the country where you could actually brew and like I'm sure we've probably broken many laws by brewing in our RV and crossing states with that brew and <laughs> don't tell anybody. We have never charged anyone for it. So <laughs> that's the key right there. Right. We didn't try to make money off of it. Not directly. All right. So it seems like you're really passionate about yeast, or maybe Kenny <laughs> just got you excited about, <laughs> about brewing but and so I'm am just I, passionate so we about beer. I was just curious about like yeah. what what is that? What's what's the thing that really makes you just like grin from ear to ear every time you like, you know, do something with beer? Um I mean what makes me grin ear to ear is just the, enjoying a well well made, well crafted beer. Um uh, you know, I'm, we're lucky that we have some really, some interesting breweries in Nashville that are doing some really cool stuff. And, uh, so it's, it's always a pleasure to, to sit down and, and to see what they're doing and, um, see what they're passionate about. Um, you know, for me, it's just, you know, make good beer, enjoy it. And, um, you know, one of the things that's been exciting with Cedar city is, how excited the town was for the brewery to open because that period I was involved with them all through August. We were closed, but people were, how soon are you going to be open? How soon are you going to be open? We're ready, for, you know, ready to try this beer. Um, and, you know, once we got the doors open, we've developed a good crew of regulars. And uh, and that's been a really enjoyable part of it, too, is after a long day, you know, I, I, well, I always tell people I got out of IT because uh, my Mac users never called me. My Windows users are the bane of it, my experience or, my, you know, the bane of my existence or whatever. Um, but at, at, at the end of a brew day or, or a hard day at the brewery, there's still a beer waiting for you. And even better, there's there might be a regular sitting at the bar and sit down with them and and be able to to have a pint and and talk about their day and what's going on with them. So um, that that's been a really nice part of the job. Uh, and and what gets keeps me excited about beer is is making those connections that are, are you know seeing seeing Jim and Terry come in again and uh, those guys are passionate about beer. Um, you know Terry Terry's been my pipeline for Pliny the Elder uh jim had worked for a brewery <laughs> in florida and so he's brought us up you know a bunch of good beer uh you know when he's gone back to visit and whatnot so um i don't know if that answers your question but that's that's what what keeps me excited you know and, and the fact that um you know i don't mind making the same recipe twice but having some variety on draft is is another thing i enjoy about being a brewer is you know i i did work in a distillery for a brief period of time and making the same whiskey for 36 days straight gets a little old. And that's where, you know, uh, also I don't want to wait four to five years for, for my, for my juice to be ready. 
<laughs> so uh, that's what, you know, that's the other part I like about the, the industry. I'm, I'm appreciative of having that experience of being a distiller. Um, and, uh, you know, that's not to say I won't work with the distilling industry down the road. I, you know, all malt whiskeys, I think, uh, beer, beer brewers and, and distillers could, could definitely hook up some more and, and make some really interesting stuff, especially when it comes to smoke malts and whatnot. There's, there's a lot of opportunity out there, I think. Well, and I think that's a direction it's going now too, is like, I think malt whiskey is going to be a big thing in the next few years. It's kind of starting to take off all over the place. And I think there's a lot of opportunity there for distillers to create some fun, like almost like back at the beginning days of the craft beer industry, where the, the exactly kind of takes all the, it takes the gloves off and lets you experiment and you don't have to fit within all these very specific guidelines, such as bourbon, where it's really difficult Bur- to, to wait for T- Tennessee whiskey, you know, Tennessee whiskey's got very, their very specific rules of what needs, what it, what it, means to or constitutes to be a Tennessee whiskey and and I and I appreciate that you know that's you know that gets into some of the uh terroir and also you know some of the um what's the word I'm looking for it's you know it's champagne can only come from the champagne region of France right you know it's you know otherwise it's just sparkling white wine but that's the other part too is like what if you don't conform to those rules what can you make what kind of whiskey can you make and 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 what's the what's what does that look like and and yeah maybe there's a new style that that's yet to be invented. Well, and the way I see it, this opens up the doors for the craft beer world too, because like there's going to be some really crazy, cool, new, exciting barrels to be aging our beer in at some point soon. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's, that's always been like, you know, one of the great things about the beer brewing industry is, you know, whiskey industry. It's like, well, if they're not shipping it over to, to Scotland, you know, what are they going to do with these barrels? And, uh, you know, the beer brewers are like, Yes, please. <laughs> and <Okay>. more. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So we, we've got some barrels that I, I laid down some barrels early on uh, once the brewery opened up that, you know, come anniversary time, the one year anniversary where, you know, the plan is that those those barrels should be mature. Um, you know, obviously the taste test will ultimately decide. But, um, you know, that's that's pretty exciting for me to, to be able to lay down some barrels right off the bat and then, you know, have a goal for them, um, you know, for, for celebrating when, when the brewery hits its first anniversary. Does, um, is there like an identity that Cedar city is starting with that they, that it like beers that Cedar city is known for, or is it still kind of finding its identity being so new? So, um, I mean, the identity is, is driven by me for better or for worse in, in that <laughs> I brew what I like to brew. Right. Um, I'm not the hugest barley wine fan. So, and I keep trying barley wines thinking I'm going to find one that's going to, you know, blow my mind. And, you know, uh, so obviously no barley wines on draft. Um, I do have the luxury. They, they, they have some lager tanks. Uh, so I am doing some lagers. Uh, and uh, so I, I think we've got a really good lager program going in terms of some styles that are very approachable, very tasty. Um, and then, uh, you know, I'm doing, you know, just, ales you know straight ahead we've got a west coast we have a we have a pale ale that's very similar to sierra nevada uh that was actually the first brew that we did because i thought well you know why don't we brew something i tweaked the recipe a little bit it's all cascade and instead of caramel malt i use munich malt uh but what if we have something that we have a commercial example that's well regarded that we can do a side by side with so um so that was that was and you know it's like it's we got to break in the system with some recipe let's not get too crazy and um you know the simpler we could keep it the better um so but we do have a hazy ipa that's gone over very well 
Um, not my favorite style, but you know, I do appreciate them. Uh, I got to spend two summers ago. I, I took a little road trip, uh, spent 30 days on the road and, uh, got to visit the alchemist and, uh, Lawson's. And so to, to drink those beers at the source was, was amazing. And they're well-regarded for a good reason. And, and I do enjoy them a lot, but it's just, I feel like everyone's trying to chase that. And I don't want to be that one person chasing it either but at the same time too you know you got to kind of do what the market wants and you know we we got a lot of questions about a hazy ipa right out of the gate so yeah yeah i mean it's become a very popular style across the country and yeah in the world um but yeah the going back to your road trip idea um that's something that i love about what we do is traveling around you get to go to the source more often or we do and it's there's just something about getting to experience it at the place where it originates from. And, you know, especially we get to find a lot of cool, quirky off the wall places, but um, do you do a lot of road trips, a lot of traveling or? No, um, you know, it, so uh, I was in a position to be able to do that. And it was one of those, I kind of told myself, like at some point I just need to take a road trip and go visit a bunch of breweries, go see some friends along the way um and just the the way the timing worked out in uh in uh july of 2021 um was like all right let's let's do this and make it happen because if i don't when am i going to ever do it uh the other thing is have you ever seen the movie american beer it's about five guys that take the road trip to hit 38 independent breweries in 40 days uh it's from about 2005 no i all right it's 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 worth checking out because they hit dogfish head Right before Dogfish Head explodes, Bells is undergoing one of their, I think, their first expansion um, and uh, really interesting interviews with with Sam and uh, Larry. Uh, and they hit a number of other breweries that that have gone on to to, to bigger things. Um, so that kind of was the, always been the seed. Right. I saw that that documentary that was, also helped get me very passionate about wanting to be a brewer, because at that point I wasn't when I saw the documentary and I was like, well, it looks like there's a lot of. A lot of fun happening, but also like you're 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 making a product that people want, and uh, um, and then just seeing those guys do the road trip and whatnot, just kind of was like, well, what would it look like for me to take a road trip? And so I just hit the road. I uh, first uh, few days was with a good friend of mine, and we got up to Cleveland and, and visited a friend of his from college that I've become good friends with, and then from there uh, spent uh, time going across New York State. Uh, dropped by uh, outside of Boston and met up with a friend uh, that I'd worked with uh, when I was doing IT work at the university. And uh, and then from there, got up into New Hampshire and Vermont and saw some friends along the way there. And so, yeah, it was it was just nice to just I needed a little break from Nashville and I needed to see what else was going on out in the beer world. And yeah, I mean, it, you know, this was like one of the highlights was, uh, you know, I, I stayed in between Waterbury and uh, Burlington, Vermont, and a good high, uh, high school classmate of mine was in Waterbury and met up with her. She's like, yeah, this bar here has a great selection of beer and they have great food. And and she she was right on the point. And that's what you want, right? You, you want good conversation, catching up with old friends. And then on top of that, you have great food and then great beer to go with it. It was it was a really one of one of many highlights on that trip. Well, and Cedar City has beer has food, too, correct? Yes, we do. Um, so uh, we have a smash burger that is really, really on point, uh, really well done. Uh, we also have uh, a uh, Philly cheesesteak. Um, I have to say, 
I went, I got to, went to Philly, uh, last year, Memorial day weekend, got to visit monks for the first time. Um, got to drink Pliny on draft, uh, got to drink, um, uh, hair of the dog out of port, you know, uh, Portland Allen sprints and announced that they were, he was shutting down. So I got to drink Fred, which just blew my mind. That was, I was, I was, you know, I took one sip, but I just handed it to my girlfriend. I'm like, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. And she took one sip. She's like, Oh my goodness, this is amazing. I was like, yeah, this is, this is phenomenal. <laughs> so I appreciate Alan, you know, go, you know, retiring and whatnot. I understand he was at that point, but man, what a, what a brewer and, and uh, thank you. So we tried several different Philly cheesesteaks and we kind of walked away from all of them and be like, what? We don't understand what the hype is. Um, and uh, so I don't know what Cedar City is doing, but um, and I'm not saying it's better than the Philly cheesesteak because, you know, the, you know, those Philly Philly fanatics. Right. Yeah. But it's, yeah, you want to be able to go back to at some point. So you don't. Right. Wanna... Right. <laughs> Correct. Uh, yeah. I'd like to go back to monks and be able to show my face. Um, yeah. That's a. <laughs> um, yeah. We, you know that we do a really nice job with that. The other thing is we do these um, pretzel bites. Um, we basically take a pretzel stick, chop them up, deep fry it, you know, and every, everything's deep fried in the South. Right. And everything's yeah. better deep fried. Uh, and then we have a, a beer cheese soup that you could dip that in. And uh, um, that is that is one of my go tos. It's 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 totally gluttonous, but also just a, a really, really good. Uh, you can make a meal out of it if you want, if you want bread and cheese or, uh, you know, it's a good appetizer as well. So. So, yeah, um, we definitely have some really good food to pair with the beer. If we were there, I'd be eating some of that food right now. Oh my gosh, and I'm asking. I know. <laughs> and I saw that picture. My mouth's watering too. The picture that burger on, on the oh. website of that burger too. I was like, does it really Ooh. look like that? Yeah. Shit, that looks good. Yes. No. It. It. It does, and it is good. And um, yeah, I had one the other day, and it's what I've had to like pump the brakes a little bit. You know, it's <laughs> I'm trying to eat slightly healthy. Half an hour from Nashville. I'm excited. Nashville's hosting CBC again. For those that don't know at home, it's the Craft Brewers Conference. Uh, this is the second time that Nashville's hosted it. Uh, the first time, what I remember of it, <laughs> was a really good time. Uh, uh, and just a shout out to Ska Brewing. Put out of Durango, Colorado, I believe. Yeah. Yep. Um, they booked one of my favorite bands in one of one of the, I would say, it's a, it's a very interesting venue in Nashville that's had a lot of history called third and Lindsley. And so that I got to see, uh, you know, the old 97s play, uh, with last night of CBC. And that was, that was definitely a highlight for me, uh, from the conference. The other highlight for me was, uh, Dave Miller, uh, who is the uh, original brewer, uh, master brewer for Blackstone brewery here in Nashville, which is one of the OG, mm-hmm. uh, brew pubs, uh, now just a production brewery. They, they have a tap room and whatnot, but, um, Dave Miller also had connections back to Schlafly back in the day. And uh, anyway, uh, I got to hand for the first time in my life, I got to hand my beer to Dave Miller and, you know, and, and thank him for all of his inspiration and for all the good beer that he brewed. So, um, so that was, that was kind of a special moment for me. So I don't know if that's going to, ha- I'll get to see Dave again this year or not, but I'm excited that Nashville is, uh, is uh, hosting it again. And um, you know, the, the convention center, when they when they announced that they were going to build it, I was like, I don't know. Do we really need a new convention center? Well, after seeing what we were able to do for the Craft Brewers Conference, um, I was really happy we had that facility and was able to show everyone a good time. Uh, well, we're very excited because we haven't spent any time in Nashville. I've 
I was there one time many, 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 many years ago, but just briefly for a, for a different event, but didn't really get to spend time in Nashville proper at all. So, well, I will warn you downtown is a little crazy, which is where, you know, you know, what, you know, and that's the other part of the, you know, the convention center is right there. So you can just leave. And then next thing you know, you're, you know, a block or two away, you're on lower broad. I will let you in on a hint and there's probably gonna be some Nashvillians that are going to be upset. Robert's Western world is the place to go. If you want to see good traditional country music and you don't want any of that new country stuff um, and just want a good vibe. uh, Robert's is the one, one place locals are still willing to go. Um, I apologize to any Nashvillians that are are mad that I let the secret out, but um, (laughs) you know, yeah, if I'm going to go downtown, Robert's is definitely one of the stops I want to make. And that's just an institution at this point. Um, when I first moved to Nashville, they had started doing live music, you know, just only, I moved to Nashville in 95 uh, to attend school and uh, um, Roberts had only been open for a few years. And that's where BR, the, the band BR549, if anyone's familiar with them, that's where they got their start uh, playing for tips. Um, and uh, anyway, you know, here it is, you know, I've been in Nashville 28 years, 28 years. So uh, here it is all these years later, it's still going strong and still still one of the best places to go see live music in Nashville. That should be fun. I can't wait because I'm I'm sure a lot <laughs> of the a lot of the different companies that are that are gonna be at CBC and throwing these big parties and stuff are gonna find some really cool music acts because there's no end of them in Nashville. It's one yeah, of my favorite bands it, is from Nashville. I they're a newer band, striking matches. I don't know if you've heard of them. Not but, familiar uh, with them. No, they're a, they're a that's just newer interest. country band, but it's it's just okay. a man and a woman who are excellent guitar players and just incredible guitar players. And it's not really new country, not really old country. It's more kind of somewhere in the middle somewhere, I think. I don't know. But All right. I'm going to check that down. out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would like to check them out because, uh, oh, you know, that's one of the things I live, love about living here is that you're spoiled with all of the great musicianship. And, and you don't realize how good it is till you go other places and you're just like, Ooh, this is not good. And, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and you know, it's kind of like, uh, yeah, if, if you only knew what was going on in Nashville right now, you know, we we're definitely spoiled last night. I think it was, they might be giants. Um, there were three or four different bands that, Oh, junior Brown, uh, who's, who, that was one of the things I moved to Nashville, not knowing about junior Brown, uh, my first college roommate thought he was going to be a country music, you know, songwriter or whatnot. He actually ended up with some, with some cuts, but uh, he had, next thing I knew, I had a roommate that had CMT and TNN on all the time. And and I, <laughs> that was not uh, something I ever watched. And so, yeah, there's this guy, Junior Brown, and uh turns out he's an amazing guitar player and whatnot. And so, uh, yeah, he played last night. They might be giants. And there was like one or two other bands playing. And it's just like, this. these are the nights you hate in Nashville. It's like, what good show do I go pick? Yeah. And that was a <laughs> Wednesday night. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. so I and can only Wednesday imagine night. every night is, is a music night in Nashville. I, I, somewhere. Yeah. 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 And you know, and it's like, you've got the whole scene that's going on the East side of Nashville, which is amazing. Um, you know, some really cool venues over there. And then, yeah. And then, you know, if you want to see country music, it's there, but there's so much other good music being made in this town. It's, 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 it's fun and it's amazing. And it, it doesn't get old. That's for sure. 
Is that craft beer scene kind of picking its way up to heat to meet that perfect that great uh, music? Oh, I you know um yeah we we have definitely had some breweries come online that are uh you know pushing the boundaries and doing some really interesting stuff uh you know some of it I'm not interested in but that's that said they're they're doing very well for them, themselves you know in the pastry beer scene and the hazy IPA uh scene um you know they're 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 having a lot of success uh but we, we we definitely have a brewery that is uh wood touches all of their beer at some point or another and uh you know shout out to the the guys at Breek uh barreling and blending um you know even their clean beers that have spent some time in oak uh are just you know sublime um and then you know they, they do some amazing sours um so yeah it's a uh, you know, there's still always room for improvement, right? But at the same time, um, you know, we definitely there's 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 some some very good options. Do you see like the future? I mean, you don't see the future, but where do you with with um? <laughs> I mean, like a lot of people Karnak. now, are going, yeah, more <laughs> are going more towards like the non-alcoholic types of drinks and the seltzers and the things like that. And do you see that kind of having an impact on like craft breweries growing or changing or I mean? Yeah, um, you know, the bosses had me working on a seltzer and I'm still trying to get it right. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, and there are some other breweries playing around in that space. Uh, we actually do have a, we do have a company in town that is, uh, producing non-alcoholic drinks that, you know, have some flavor and whatnot, um, uh, you know, like sparkling water, but with flavor and whatnot. Um, and so that they've done really well in that space. Uh, yeah, it's funny enough, we did have a customer come in today and ask for a non-alcoholic beer, you know, you know, an NA option. Um, and, you know, so one of the things I recently visit, re visited a bunch of NA beer options, um, and it was amazing how off the mark a lot of them are in terms of trying to taste like beer. Uh, and then there were a couple that were like, all right, this is, this is, you know, in the ballpark, but, um, you know, it's, you know, that's, that's tough for anyone trying to produce that. Um, yeah, and, I, I have yeah, yet I to mean, find anybody making a line that I'm really impressed with. There's some that are palatable, I guess you'd say, but you know, nobody can really make a non-alcoholic Porter or a non-alcoholic. Right, right, right. And I'm seeing a, in that realm, I'd see a non-alcoholic dark ale. You know, that's, yeah. they'll call it a dark ale and, and just give it a generic catch-all. Have you tried the Guinness offering? I have not. I have not. That might be worth visiting because as I recall, when we tasted it, it was like, this is, this is not, this is not bad, especially for a dark beer. Um, but it's also one of those, that, you know, it's <laughs> Guinness is already four and what, four and a half percent. So it's, right. it's already low ABV to begin with, but you know, under, understanding that people, you know, need to stay, you know, can't in, take any alcohol in. Um, yes. Yeah, so, so I know we tasted, I feel like we taste um, when I did that, we tasted the Guinness offering and that was pretty decent um, and a lot closer to Guinness than we would have expected, but definitely um, much more flavorful uh, than some of the other NA beers that we'd offered. And, and some of them, I'm not going to name names, but there's a, there's one big company that's making a lot of them. And um a lot of them were just kind of off the mark. There was, there was one or two that was like, okay, this is a good representation. The rest of them were like, 
yeah, what's going on here? This is not this is not you, not fun to drink. Do you think it'll start to get better as they progress, or do you think it's not even there's not even going to be enough time for it because mm. the the desire for it might just start coming down? That's that's a good question. I I feel like someone's going to get it dialed in, right? It, you know, the, someone's got to. Um, um, you know, it's like gluten free beers. You know, it's like there are some some places that have got it dialed in, and they're you know. Um, and, and they, you wouldn't know that you're drinking a gluten-free beer. Um, but yeah, the other question is, you know, to the other point though, is like, is this like seltzer? Are we going to see the bottom kind of, you know, level off or is it bottom going to bottom out or is it going to really level off in terms of, uh, consumer consumption, uh, for the NA beers, you know, like what we're seeing with seltzers. I don't, I don't have, I don't know. I mean, I, I wish I, how yeah. would you I really? wish it could be Karn- <laughs> yeah. right. I wish it could be Karnak. I mean, um, you know, but also like, how do, I'm not saying I'm a curmudgeon, but you know, I'm also you know, I'm definitely more old school when it comes to brewing, uh, and that's not to say I'm not willing to put adjuncts or do stuff with lactose or or whatnot, but. Um, that's not to say I won't blur, you know, style guidelines, uh, but, you know, I definitely, I want a good, clean beer fermentation. I don't, I don't want to drink something I feel like I'm going to have the diabetes after, after consuming <laughs> either, you know. <laughs> no Twinkie beer. Rest in peace, Wilford. Yeah, no Twinkie beer. Rest in peace, Wilford Brimley. <laughs> so I imagine some of your accomplishments this year at Cedar City is pretty much just getting open and running and getting things. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> getting the beer flowing, making sure that the beer is good. Uh, we 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 did have a have a beer that I ran into some issues on the brew day with, and then um, managed to pitch the wrong yeast. And okay. you know, we were I was able to salvage the beer, and uh, but already customers are asking, "When's that beer coming back?" And I'm like, okay. "Yeah, no, that's you know." <laughs> and, then, and one guy asked me, he's like, "Well, don't you have notes?" And I was like, "Well, I remember exact. I have notes, and I remember exactly how everything went down." Um, you know, and it was, it, you know, if, if it wasn't a question of fermentation issues, whatnot, I had the heat exchanger clog up. So, uh, I know we're trying not to get too technical here, but basically yeah. I had to move the wort into the fermenter at a lot hotter temperature than I wanted it to be. It was supposed to be a lager. I finally got it down to lager temperature. And then I just spaced out that morning and pitched an ale yeast. So I had to wait for the temperature to come back up. Um, and when it was all said and done, it's like, this is not bad. It's not what we were intending. Uh, and so, you know, I, I did a, ended up dry hopping the beer because, uh, well, because the heat exchanger, I clogged it up. Um, the 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 hops that were still in the kettle, right, uh, were, were still extracting bitterness. So it ended up being a lot more bitter than we were expecting it to be. Um, and then so... So then it became a question of, all right, well, how do we balance that bitterness out and whatnot? And we had, yeah, we, we ended up having a lot of fans of the beer and, and it's like, I mean, I could try to recreate all the circumstances that, that took place. Uh, but yeah, otherwise <laughs> yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, no, it was one of those is like, oh, this, this, you know, cause for me, um, and the, the owners to their credit picked this up pretty quick when it's a brew day. I really don't want any sort of external, you know, distractions and whatnot. Um, I really am focused on what's going on because this is the first step of the process, right? So if you screw it up in the first step of the process, it's going to be screwed up the entire way. So we were already several steps into the process when things screwed up, uh, you know, and I was able to make uh, lemonade out of, li- out of lemons. Uh, but yeah, um, 
you know, for me, I, I just, I just see like, you know, there's money on the line. Um, you know, there's a lot of time and effort involved. So we want, and we want to make the beer as reproducible as possible. So, you know, I'm, I'm really focused on brew days and really just want to, you know, make sure that we're, we're going to have success. Would you say that's one of the more difficulties this year in opening the brewery or was what's like, I mean, it's a new brewery. What's some of the hardest things you've had to deal with so far? Um, it's just kind of one of those little things that you, you, you come across as, as, as you go along, oh, we need this piece of equipment or we need this little, you know, fitting or whatever. Um, we're lucky that we have a company, uh, in Nashville that realized, oh, brewing business, you know, is, is good business to have. And so they, they keep a lot of, uh, fittings, you know, in terms of tri-clamps, you know, this is stuff that we use to connect stuff, gaskets, that kind of stuff. They keep a lot of stuff in stock, uh, which, which is, which is a lifesaver. Uh, and they've, they definitely, especially that first brew, they, they, they saved, saved my butt a few times. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, um, other than that, you know, having been through the experience of opening a brewery before, you know, I came into it knowing like, Hey guys, we have to have these things. If we don't have them, you know, like we're not going to have, you know, the quality of beer, you know, having a way to measure CO2, uh, the, the CO2 volume in your beer is huge. You know, it's the difference between overcarbonated and undercarbonated. Um, and then also that, you know, your draft system is going to have to deal with that as well. So, you know, you, if it's overcarbonated, you're going to be pouring foam. If it's undercarbonated, well, it's not going to taste that good. So, um, you know, just knowing out of the gate, like here's, here's some just little bits of quality assurance that we have to do to ensure that we're going to be making good beer. I was going to say, I think you should lighten it up a little bit. You're in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> Another kind of lighting up that could happen. <laughs> Legally now. Legally now. I'm a little slow. It took me a second to get that one, but hey, I got it. <laughs> I don't know what kind of beers you have in your fridge at home. It's inter- <laughs> a wide variety. Uh, so a few leftovers from from classes and whatnot. Um, I have eleven students, so you know a six pack takes good care of us. Um, you know, usually the students end up drinking the equivalent of like two beers over the course of the over the course of the class. So uh, actually, before we uh, before I met up with y'all, uh, I had a Frozenkiner uh, uh, Weiss beer. Um, and we, you know, we, we, I taught the, the previous class was, um, what does, uh, what do yeast driven beers look like in terms of like Hefeweizen? We did uh three Floyd's gumball head. So there's a can of that in, in my fridge right now. Um, I've been a subscriber to beer drop, uh, for a little while. So there's some beer drop beers in there. Um, at Christmas time, I went home. Uh, so I grew up in Southern Illinois, just outside of St. Louis, uh, and if you know anything about Belleville, Illinois and beer, you know that stag beer is the the pride and joy of Belleville, even though it hasn't been brewed there since about 1981. Uh, but I picked up uh, some stag beer. Uh, so I've got some of that in my fridge. Uh, uh, the girlfriend is from uh, Wisconsin. So I have some New Glarus, uh, the uh, raspberry tart, serendipity. I've already drank through the Belgian red. Uh, let's see here. Usually... Um, Unfortunately, Bell's Lager of the Lakes, uh, uh, they're 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 rebranding because of the buyout and whatnot. Uh, but that was one that you would always find in my fridge uh, up, up until the fact that I can't get it anymore. Uh, but Lager of the Lakes was one of my one of my go to beers, and you know, like I said, it was always in my fridge. 
Um, yeah, I've got a uh, perennial abraxis. Um, and I'm trying to think of what else, just, just kind of remembering what was in there when I opened, I, you know, I, poked my head in there. That's an impressive array of beers. Yeah, I'm impressed. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. My beer is pretty much my beer. My fridge is pretty much filled with beer. Um, I, you know, I do eat out a lot, so there's that, but, uh, yeah. There's nowhere it's, for uh, food. Ask us where our beer is stored in the RV. Where is your beer stored in the RV? Uh, it's our shower cellar. <laughs> <laughs> You know, yes, RV yes. showers are not the most functional showers in the world. So we turned it into a beer cellar. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Good, good slash fermentation chamber. A good friend of mine is living the RV life and uh, he's huge into beer. So I'm going to have to let him know that, James, you know, just skip the shower and, and just store beer. You can shower when you, you know, mooch dock in somebody's driveway or you go to Planet Fitness and you can take a shower. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. No, there are options out there for. Yeah. No, I mean, he usually finds, you know, campsites and whatnot. And he's definitely started getting to know which campsites are really good, especially for getting good beer and, you know, facilities and whatnot. So, uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But he. He definitely is on the road enough that he'll hit that point where he had, he's, he's got his whole, he's got a whole like equation of like, here's how I shower on these days. And then once it hits this point, then this is how I shower. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's priorities. So, you know, yep. Got to have priorities. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So yeah. I know that you were, I mean, you were a musician. What were you, were you playing instruments or so, recording? So I played tr- trombone, uh, all, you know, in, in elementary through high school and whatnot. Uh, I was more interested in being behind the scenes. I was a theater geek and, and running sound for, uh, for our school productions and whatnot. Uh, found out about Middle Tennessee State University and their music industry program, the recording industry program there. And, uh, um, you know, I thought, you know, I'm more interested in being behind the scenes. I don't necessarily, I don't want to be on the stage and whatnot. And so, yeah, d- d- finished up with that degree and watched the technology completely, you know, pivot and, uh, you know, just kind of up in the industry. Uh, and, you know, a lot of it, I think in good ways, you know, the, the fact that musicians could suddenly record at home, I think was, 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 was good for, for everyone. Um, not so much for the studios, but, uh, yeah, it was, but at the same time too, you know, so I, at that point, I also knew that I was like, I want to do IT work, did that. And then I got bored with it and, you know, spent a few years trying to figure out what was next. That on I don't I don't know if I answered your question there, but. Yeah, no, I, I, that's, I was kind of starting with that because I wanted to know more about like who you are outside of beer, like how. Yeah. So, uh, you know, love to attend live shows, Um, you know, especially in Nashville, we have so many venues that have great sound systems to begin with um and so yeah uh music's my first passion um uh you know a pretty pretty spread spread spectrum of what i listen to and what i what i love to listen to um and then uh you know i love to hike um and nashville's got a lot of good hiking trails we have some really good city parks and then uh the state of tennessee has done a really nice job of developing a lot of good options for hiking and uh and whatnot so uh you know for me a good a good day is uh going for a hike and getting a beer afterwards or if it's a rainy day going to a record shop uh you know just digging through everything they have and then going and getting a beer afterwards <laughs> or grocery shopping getting beer afterwards or <laughs> so I, I yeah 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 like i know people listening to the podcast don't see this but 
you have a wall of albums behind you. So how many times have you ever bought a duplicate album go and got home and went, oh man, I forgot I had bought because <laughs> that's it how many albums you have going there. <laughs> yeah. So it happened enough times that I, I went, all right, I need to get on Discogs, which is an app that allows you to catalog uh, your record collection. I need to get on Discogs. And then, but then I have to remind myself, a keep discogs up to get up to date and b <laughs> remember to look at discogs when i'm record shopping to make sure i don't do this again but i've been pretty good since i got the majority of my collection in discogs i've been pretty good about not getting duplicates but yeah every once in a while it happens and then in that case you know well, what friend of mine likes the, you know this band or whatever and you know we'll we'll uh we'll just go ahead and pass it on to them and right. and you know They'll, I'll usually get a beer or two in return as a result. So. <laughs> Barter system. Right. Do you still listen to all, all the vinyl? And... Yeah. Yeah. I listen to it quite a bit. So yeah, originally I was not going to be a vinyl collector. I am, I am definitely hundred percent Gen X. And the joke is I've seen a meme going around, you know, Gen X is the only generation that's been convinced to buy their music collection in every format. Oh, you know? <laughs> right. and so it's like, <laughs> yeah, starting with records, cassettes cds so i was I, I definitely centered my collection around cds and i still have a lot of cds uh but then um uh uh and then but i'm a huge fan of the the jazz trumpeter maynard ferguson um uh, great canadian uh you know just uh he always had really good bands and whatnot he, i saw him live a number of times and so the only way to find some of his stuff was on vinyl so i was like well i'm only gonna collect maynard ferguson on vinyl well then you know, little by little, just, you know, and then at some point my dad gave me his collection and I found a lot of good stuff in there, like John Hartford, uh, Doug Somm and Sir Douglas Quintet. And, uh, and then from there, it's like, oh, these guys are great. Well, now I got to go get John Hartford's, you know, work and then Doug Somm's work. And then, uh, you know, uh, Led Zeppelin, you know, Beastie Boys, uh, Pink Floyd, you know, I'm, I'm all over the place, but, uh, yeah, I do listen to him quite a bit. Just depends on what mood I'm in. And, yeah, uh, I'll admit the record collection's gotten a little out of control. It's starting to take over the house, but I mean, there are worse problems to have. So, <laughs> yeah, you could you could be collecting eight tracks, <laughs> right? And that's much cheaper. Know, and as someone who has a <laughs> cheaper, but also like what a terrible format to begin with. Right. And I, I will never, for, for, I will never forget my one of my instructors in the recording industry program at, at Middle Tennessee State standing in front of class he's like all right so there's these things called eight tracks and here's the deal he goes the head mechanically moves up and down to access the tracks on this tape and he goes and they put these things in vehicles <laughs> his point being the head was going to come out of alignment at some point sooner yeah. rather than later and uh you know and then yeah to see people collecting eight tracks i'm just like what are you doing the tape quality wasn't that great to begin with it's it's uh, yeah well and then you have those eight tracks where they have to fade out the song and then pick it back up once the, once it changes to the other track on there and it's just like well who and then wants they that? put it, it again like, on the last track <laughs> and, yeah right right and so yeah that said um uh my my family was given uh, a family friend gave us his collection of eight tracks and one of them was <laughs> willie nelson's stardust and my dad wow. for whatever reason played it all the time and what a phenomenal album and mm -hmm. and just uh so many good memories like just watching him put that into the eight track player and just knowing that <laughs> you know you're gonna you're gonna get to listen to some of the best willie nelson music ever made so yeah <laughs> i have to say cheers to music and beer 
How about that? Yeah, I mean, what's better, music, yeah. beer, cheers, and travel? Cheers, yeah. Music, beer, travel, beer, <laughs> music, and beer, dude. I have to tell you this. You know, it's really cool. No way. If y'all remember, just way a little bit further back into the podcast, uh, Sean mentioned Robert's Western World in Nashville, <laughs> dude. Nash Vegas be crazy. Robert's Western World was <laughs> insane. Like it's packed, and like. The, the boots that lined like the, the, the cowboy boots that lined up the whole wall oh, yeah, yeah. and like the the classic country that you never hear anymore and then people that are just dancing there and okay we didn't have this because I just didn't want it but a lot of people come there and eat it and all night long they're serving this too it's fried bologna sandwiches I will say like when looking at it it looked like spam to me I don't know, I don't know maybe but, it, but uh... It, it's totally true, and I'm telling you, it's the secret's like really out. No Nashvilleian or whatever oh, is going no to be pissed. There's no secret that yeah. <laughs> it's right this on Broadway. This place was loaded to the gills. It's right on Broadway, right next to Legends, which is another really good place. I guess there's only a couple of, like kind of really locally owned, um, kind of music and stuff yeah, I don't, around yeah, there now. I don't so know a lot of this stuff that. is like corporate owned, kind of like you know other big name country music stars kind of corporate owned these bars. But let me tell you this again, Nash Vegas be crazy. It doesn't matter what time of day you're on this on Broadway. There's live music everywhere. Like if, if you ever have a calling to wear a cowboy hat and shorts <laughs> and cowboy boots, uh, you'll Dukes. fit right in in Vegas, <laughs> live music everywhere. And every bar that has it is packed. And they're like four stories too. It's crazy. Oh yeah, even like the, I think what the first night we kind of went out later at night. Yeah, was Monday night, Monday night, Monday the dead night, and like we were walking around on Broadway. What like eleven, eleven thirty at night, mm -hmm. or something like that, and like things were just ramping up. Crazy. Yeah, just crazy. But yeah, it it's a cool like I get the Nash Vegas thing now. Like I didn't get it before I came. Yeah, it's but, lit up. But the the Nash Vegas I mean it's only a few blocks of Nashville, but there's this like few blocks of Nashville that is totally Nash Vegas is the perfect way to put it. But that's the thing is though you don't have to stay on Broadway. Like you definitely should oh, go no. there because the music scene there is just it's no, phenomenal. It's cool. However, yeah. Nashville has a really good beer scene, even like Lebanon, definitely Lebanon, because you're going to go to Cedar City. And so you don't need to be in the heart of everything to hit this. Tennessee actually has a really good beer scene, honestly. Yeah. Um, but starting with Cedar City and kind of working your way towards Asheville, Asheville, we're not in Asheville. Okay. Starting, you know, like <laughs> in Cedar City and Lebanon and kind of working your way towards Nashville. I'm sure there's some other breweries along there too, but Nashville itself also has pretty good beer scene. Like we visited, yeah, let's see, good. let's name just a couple here. We went to. Well, one of the first places was New Heights. New Heights. Which, which was really good. I thought it was a really good start to the, to the whole week and a good brewery. But that just kind of set the tone for everybody else to jump off, I yeah. felt like. Because we went to Bearded Iris. That was amazing. It was um, really good brewery that uh, covers covers a wide range of beers. Um, I don't know if I'd say there's too much that they go right into. but um, Fate La Force? Fate La Force was really good. Uh, if you like Belgian beers, 
Belgian style beers, like Fate LaForce is your go-to. And the one brewery that is also Belgian really inspired that we didn't get to, and I'm so sad that everybody talks about is one of the best places. We're just going to have to trust everybody else's barrique. Brewing and blending is supposed to be really good, but we didn't get to that. So if you are in Nashville, you definitely have to check that one out. Um, um, that's a really good one. Well, <laughs> as we said, we didn't get there. But a lot of people talked about it as like a Jester King kind of brewery where they do a lot of like wild fermentations and yeah. mixed fer fermentations. Not just straight up Belgian style, True. but something True. a little funkier. And I believe looking at their website and stuff, they had a lot of like bottles as for, in addition to yeah. stuff on tap. So there's a lot of cool, funky, vibey things. And we all need a little funk in our lives. Get to yeah. funk you And up. then we went to Jackalope. Oh, yeah. Jackalope was a really good one. I felt that was a really solid brewery. And then we went to... With a wide variety of beers. Yes, yeah. they did. And then, yeah, and then we went to... Waters. Living Waters. Living Waters. I was going to say Singing Waters. Living Waters. Living Waters is where we got to sit around with Sam Calagione from Dogfish Head. So As a part of CBC, so that was really cool, too. Oh, Those and time. wait, speaking of that, did, wait, before we get off topic here, were there any other breweries that I missed that we went to? Uh, we went to Tennessee Beer Works. Tennessee Beer Works. Oh, my God, the one. music scene there and that vibe there was really yeah, cool. Yeah, they do a lot of live music there and very good beer that pairs really well with the live music. Yes. And Speaking tailgate, of music, Tailgate and Brewing. And Tailgate Brewing, that was really good, too. That was a good one, too. They they have a lot of beers on tap at Tailgate and really wide variety of beers. Like everything from basic just pale ales and stuff up to crazy yeah fluffy dessert beers and all that kind of good stuff but nashville is not a town to be missed so if you're going through tennessee nashville is not a town to be missed yeah, it, yeah. and especially if you're a beer fan there's just anything you want there's something there right but i was going to say we mentioned all the breweries that we went to i believe there's definitely more that we did not get to oh, so totally just you know get out there and do a brewery tour and, or call us up and Say, hey, where should we go? And we'll do the research for you. Not a problem. But what I also wanted to mention is Kenny. We got to um, kind of, in sort of in a way, chat with Sam Calgione for a little bit through the um, Beer Writers Guild. Mm -hmm. But who else did you meet? Who else did you get to say hi to at Tennessee Beer Works? Oh, Garrett Oliver. Hell yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. You know, I'm not one that's very starstruck by anybody, and I'm not starstruck by Garrett Oliver at all, but he's a cool dude and, like, a guy that really knows his shit when it comes to beer and when it comes to pairing beer with food. And that it, and he's just a nice guy. Honestly, you just talking to him, he's just a cool, casual dude. So Kenny just said he's not starstruck by him, and really maybe that's not the right word is to say starstruck by him. However, though, when he did see him walk into the room, he was kind of slapping my arm saying, hey, that's Garrett Oliver. Hey, isn't that Garrett Oliver? So, yeah, he was a little... It was okay to be like, whoa, that's Garrett Oliver. No, it's cool. Yeah. He's, like, he's a guy that uh, I look up to in the beer industry because he's done a lot of really amazing things, making great beer, and he's super knowledgeable on beer and food pairing like i said but also you know just having listened to him tell stories over the years from in-person events and podcasts and things he's like a great storyteller and he's a very well-traveled person and we like to travel a lot so there's that connection as well 
So yeah, it's it's cool to meet people like that that inspire you and and find out that they're just good people too that like to chill and hang out. And circling back, just like Sean and everybody else at Cedar City. <laughs> yeah. So go to Nashville and then go a little bit further east and hit up Lebanon, Tennessee at Cedar Lebanon. City. Lebanon. Lebanon. Yeah, and the old town square. <laughs> I don't know if I'm saying it right still, but... Lebanon. Lebanon. Okay, on the note, we're going to say goodbye instead of keeping saying to Lebanon. It'd be like tartlet. Tartlet. Friends. <laughs> no. Tartlet. Let's don't do that. Tartlet. <laughs> oh, no. Tartlet. Okay, if you all don't know that, <laughs> sorry. You're just going to have to like wonder what the hell we're talking about. So, Just welcome to my world. All right, yeah. Okay, well, another again, um, thanks to Malt Europe Malting Company for setting us up with Sean from Cedar City. Um, yeah, uh, that's it. Anything else? Yeah, I okay. think we're good. Uh, cheers. Cheers. Thank you guys for tuning in, and thank you guys uh, for everybody who subscribes. And thank you for leaving reviews and all that good stuff. And no matter how much beer we just said we drank, uh, we'll still accept a beer. So buy us a beer. It's a little <laughs> button on our podcast page. Just click the little link that says buy us a beer. And it helps keep us going and keeping you guys entertained and keeping us entertained. It's podcast flowing. Flowing. Ooh, that's a good one. Fist bump cheers this time. Chilling on the beer. Fist bump. <laughs> Peace out. We'd love to hear from you, so keep the conversation going. Send us a note, share a beer recommendation or two, or just say hey. This Stout Conversation has been brought to you by livingastoutlife.com, where you can find community and resources for all your craft beer travel and adventure lifestyle needs.